0: This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14. We're gonna be going over an article in Deer from deeranddeerhunting.com called Culling Bucks to Improve Antler Genetics Fact or Fiction. Because late season, you know, kind of time of year where a lot of guys got their buck tags left over and maybe they're getting trigger happy or whatever and they shoot a two-year-old buck that's a four-corn because, you know, well, it's a buck. Not always the best thing to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit. There's some good science in there and some other stuff. So, we'll talk about that. Last week we talked about late winter strategies for bucks, so we probably won't hit on too much of that, but... Uh, that's what we're going to be looking at, but first, uh, we'll kind of do our same field report. I don't know that there's probably going to be a ton there, but Nate, have your cameras been picking up at all since the last time we talked? I know you said the last week had been a little better last time, but have you been getting pictures of anything?
1: It's about the same. Uh, I got one, two, maybe three-year-old eight-pointer. He comes through at least once every couple of days. Um, uh, I think he's probably heading out to Winter field, uh there for the evenings i'll get him in the evenings a lot of times uh not much in the morning but a lot of times just right there at dark he'll come through um a couple does here and there uh but not uh not anything like it was six weeks ago you know right
0: what about the shop still kind of slow
1: uh I shops
2: done, they're trickling in uh well, i haven't seen any uh what i would call mature bucks most of the guys are just shooting does that are seem to be wandering around and, and big does there's they're killing some nice does but uh haven't seen any antlers to speak of in probably three weeks.
0: Jeff, you went last weekend?
3: Yeah, I went last Sunday.
0: Last Sunday? How did you do last Sunday?
3: <laughs> I didn't see nothing.
0: You got your camera put back out at yeah. least, right?
3: Yeah, I put my camera back up. I, I took it down because the gun season was coming around. And I was hunting public ground and or next to public ground, so I didn't want to risk it, you know. um I went and put my camera back up. I'll see what shows uh, probably tomorrow or the next day. Um, I didn't see or did see any deer, but I heard some deer moving through, and they're heading towards some standing corn. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm going to try to sit up between their bedding area and standing corn this weekend and see what goes on.
0: Yeah. Um, I was able to pull one card. I got a couple more I haven't checked since like the third week of November probably. So I don't know what's been on them, but one in particular – um had seen some younger bucks early on in december not a lot this was a a week ago i guess week and a half ago something like that i'd pulled the card on it so first week or so there were still some young bucks moving um and several does but i hadn't seen a lot of mature bucks and i haven't actually been in the woods since the beginning of december so i ain't got nothing there either so um the guys i've been talking to one guy dusty um he killed a really nice buck ended up finding him i've seen that um they recovered him today i think um one 170 class deer um really nice buck that he found so and he had killed it somewhere around the last podcast we did so somewhere around a week ago Thanks so when i was telling you about that nate mm-hmm. so they're still moving if you're in the right place and like we talked about it's about all about food right now but like I said, if you want to get into that stuff, you guys can check out the last podcast um, where me and Nate and Dad jumped in and talked a little bit there at the beginning. Um, we covered a lot of that stuff. So this week, though, we're going to get into this article about culling bucks, and it starts off. It says many years and deer seasons ago, long before camo was cool and technology and social media took the hunting community by storm, I can recall watching a hunting show where the hosts were discussing how. a hunter could get rid of inferior antler genetics on a property. The process, known as selective culling, seemed simple. The gist of the theory was that if a buck's antlers were small with undesirable characteristics, the buck should be selectively targeted and removed from the herd, preventing him from passing his lackluster antler genetics on to future generations. Frankly, the idea sounded a bit illogical, but then I've always been of the mindset that ultimately there's a much larger hand residing over nature and we are in no way meant to be We are in no way meant to, or supposed to, look that hand in the eye, much less try to surpass it. These days, the advances in technology and social media have introduced many positive changes for the hunting community. But, from my vantage point, there also have been a few causes for concern. Hence the origin of this podcast. (laughs) Um, But it it goes on and says, Essential factors um, of deer management. At a glance, the prospect of selective culling appears clever. A buck with antlers that aren't all wall-worthy should be extirpated, plain and simple. After all, the reason a buck presents poor quality antlers must be at the hands of imperfect genetics, right? This will tidy up the gene pool, paving the way for bucks with superior antler attributes to do the breeding. So that's kind of the theory bef- behind um, the antler culling is you've got a buck that doesn't like look like he's ever going to make anything or whatever, a young buck, you shoot him, takes his genetics out of the herd or whatever. So they go on, it says... Uh, The truth is, there's nothing precise surrounding the methodology behind selective culling to improve genetically driven antler potential in the deer herd. More is unknown than there is absolute, and there is a plethora of studies to explain why it's an impossible feat. Dr. Steve Ditchkoff, he's a professor at the School of Forestry and Wildlife Sciences at Auburn University, says that using genetics and management in the same sentence is misleading because 99.9% of the land that we manage for deer has no impact on genetics. Only different, genetic, different genetics can be achieved. It's easy to believe that we are influencing, he says, it's easy to believe that we are influencing genetics through selective harvest, but there are many factors that wildlife managers fail to consider. You cannot affect genetics, genetics as a hunter, and you cannot influence genetics through selective culling in wild deer populations. Sometimes folks tend to take Information they've seen and heard and make up their own set of rules. The problem with this is that sometimes TV personalities give a lack of understanding to the perceptions they put out to the public. So, I know I've definitely seen it um, for the longest time I thought it was a legit thing just because I'd saw it on TV. Guys talking about the selective culling or whatever. Um, these scrap bucks or scrub bucks or whatever you want to call them, they go in and shoot them when they're young or even the, the older deer and you see it a lot um guys that'd be hunting outfitters they would get um a certain antler range like you could shoot a 150 class or better buck or you could shoot this list of call bucks they call them so to me you know it was always a thing but i never did question it or look any of the research up i don't know about anybody else what you guys have kind of uh maybe experienced with that in the past or heard <laughs>
3: If there's some states, uh, especially out east, like Pennsylvania and that, where they have to have at least eight points. They have a point restriction on them. Well,
0: Missouri has a; they have to have four on one side. side
3: Missouri has a side restriction. And I'm thinking out east too, like Pennsylvania. And Maybe stuff, they have that. And so, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know, if they have to have at least eight points total, well, how are you going to? Right, uh, kill four corns or stuff like that. So how can you back that theory up? That you know, it,
2: it, you're you never going to kill a five-year-old seven-pointer. Well, you might. Mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> well, if got got not if it's got eight. Not, yeah, not right. if you <laughs> have yeah. an eight-point restriction. If he's so, seven or
3: eight, you know, there's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of variables to that.
0: To me, that in itself was a failed attempt at uh, herd management for quality deer, because uh, everybody knows they're are a lot older six-point deer out there than some eight-point deer. You know what I mean? So, Oh, one well, of the it, oldest
3: bucks I ever
1: hunted was, was
0: yeah.
3: a, a
1: four-corn. I
0: mean, some of them just don't ever amount to anything. Yeah. But, uh,
1: I think that's the only definite way that they could get guys to recognize. Yeah. In yep. the wild. You, ain't,
0: you yeah. can't say, well, you can't kill a three-and-a-half-year-old buck or yeah. two and a two-and-a-half-year-old buck because yeah. who's yeah, right. you know not yeah. enough people are experienced enough or good enough judge of that. And yeah. then sometimes even the guys that are get wrong, I mean, yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. happens all the time so it's it's at least an attempt and i give them you know kudos for that it's slightly better than illinois doesn't do anything i guess i think the better way to do it would just be limited to one buck per year um you draw in state to to get your one permit Um, out of state guys draw for permits like iowa for example um and then you got to kill so many does Maybe kill two does for every buck or something. Would be maybe a better way to do it, but at least that point restriction is something. It just is uh I don't think it solves the problem.
2: El- Illinois restricted two antler deer. It's I mean, guys like Jeff and I's age, we remember when if as long as you forked out the money, you could kill as many bucks as you wanted to.
1: It that sounded like a heyday. That <laughs> sounded like we have better wild. deer now than we do oh, yeah. than we did then. I'm sure. Now part of that's sure. just I
2: think the maturity of the herd overall, but yeah, there's there's a lot nicer deer. But the average is way nicer now. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard. This. I still think that, that uh, two bucks per year is too much here in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. but with you know, <laughs> Illinois, we're known for our you know great policy, morals, and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I'd heard of some guys that uh, five, six, eight, however many walked by them that year. That's, mm-hmm. that's how many they killed.
0: Yep. So, um, kind of back to like the, the calling aspect of that. So, uh, and not that some bucks don't ever end up not being anything. Cause, like we just said, like one of the oldest bucks you've ever hunted, some of the oldest deer you come in the shop are six, seven point deer. It happens. It's just not because, <clears throat> I mean, that deer isn't necessarily going to pass on those. Six point genetics. Um, He's not a six point necessarily because his dad was a six point. His grandpa was a six point. His dad, his great grandpa was a six point. You know what I mean? Um, And it'll get into that here in the next part of this. It says uh, the bold on this one is he got it from his mama. So one of the most overlooked facets when it comes to judging the quality of bucks antlers is the role of a doe. It makes sense why we might think that a buck can only inherit antler traits from his father. But this isn't so, and I think, you know, obviously there's reasons that people think that, because, well, you get antlers from the bucks because they have antlers. But that's not the case. It goes on here. It says, um, not only does the mother influence her son's antlers environmentally, but she also contributes to them genetically. Believe it or not, a doe can have an even greater genetic impact on her son's antlers than the father. Um, She says, according to Ditchgolf, antlers are genetically determined, but environmentally influenced. While genetic distribution distribution is a combined input from both parents, when it comes to environmental persuasions, the doe bears most, if not all, the responsibility. There are several key environmental pressures that can compromise a buck's antler growth. Some begin in fetal development. Proper nutrition for all deer is by far the most basic yet crucial environmental additive. With it, a buck's antler potential can soar. Without it, antler quality will suffer. The importance of a doe receiving and providing adequate nutrition for herself and her fawns is critical. Great genetics mean nothing if overall health is compromised. So even if you've got, you know, like you just said, great genetics from a big 12-point buck and a doe who's got good antler genetics as well, if she's in a poor environment and she doesn't get what she needs while that uh, fawn is developing in her, He's never going to amount to anything. I mean... <laughs> that, that's...
1: Uh, that's. <clears throat> I think that's pretty solid uh, for everything that I've heard recently that I agreed with. If you can get the absolute best quality food for them while they're developing, you know, while the fawns are... While the does are carrying them, uh, and then also every year when they're growing mm-hmm. their antlers, <clears throat> if you can do everything that you can to make sure they have enough food, a variety of food, uh, minerals... Um, anything that they need to stay tip top healthy Mm -hmm. uh i think that's as about as good as you can do you know because you like you can't control those genetics
0: right and there's a couple parts to that i think one is um i think we have a lot more impact this time of year in the winter because during the spring and the summertime unless it's a drought year um something happens like that they're going to have tons of food available natural browse um acorns uh, like uh, hardwood regeneration, and then all the crop fields. Um, there's tons of ag fields around where we're at, so we benefit from that in the spring and the summertime when they're developing after they've been born. I think where we can really help them around here as habitat managers is to put in food for them after everything else is gone in the wintertime when it's pretty sparse and you can still have some green potential food for them. Um,
2: you take the this month, which is December, late December, January, February, They're uh, half to three-fourths into their gestation, some Mm -hmm. of them are, and there's no food. There's little food naturally available. I wouldn't say no food, but, yeah, if you can help that in in that gestation part of it, it's got got to make a difference. Especially
0: February and March, Yeah, uh, you know, into January when it gets really cold around here. Um, And obviously the guys up north, it's even more earlier into the year having that available food for them.
2: If some of those got hit in – or, or bred and taken in the middle of November, you know, mm-hmm. you're yep, six months gestation. You're over four months in mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and talking about February, March. That's very important.
0: Yeah. And yep. then I think the other part of that is okay. making sure, and we've talked about this. <clears throat> I don't remember for sure if we talked about it on a podcast. I know I did a video on it, on killing does and when you shouldn't, when you shouldn't. I think we hit on it at some point during a podcast. Um, Making sure your doe herd is in check because if you have too many does, they're just going to decimate the available resources you have, which is going to not only result in less bucks overall on your property because there's more does, they're taking up those bedding spaces and whatnot, but it's also going to keep them from growing the to their full potential because they're, like I said, they're decimating all that uh, everything that's there, the nu- the nutritional value and the browse and the crops and the food plots you planted. If you got too many, if it's being over over browsed. They're not getting everything they need. So you're limiting their potential there as well just by having too many does.
3: That's where your buck-to-doe ratio comes into play, Mm -hmm. like we talked about before. Yeah. Not only just for the rut, but just for this reason right here.
0: Yeah. Yep.
3: Overall
2: health of the herd. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not just, like you said, not just that buck doesn't have to go as far. If you have too many does, that buck doesn't have to go as far to find them during the rut. Also, you're helping yourself out as far as giving him more potential to grow because that Mother of that buck is going to have more available food, cover all the stuff that she needs while he's in gestation, and then after he's born as well. Um, so those are some big things to me on antler genetics, more so than the typical. Well, it all comes from his dad, um, and like well, he said, it don't
3: all come from your dad either. I mean, right? The doe could have inferior genes too. I mean,
0: and that's what you I know, could
3: have X amount of inches, and and I'd breed a doe with. You know, inferior genes doesn't mean my son's going to come out with that much or right. more. You right. Right. So,
0: um, and that's what he said there too. He said, that even, "Oftentimes, you know, the doe will have even more effect than the buck, regardless, even just genetically, let alone in, environmentally, so and nutritionally, given it what she needs." So, um, the last part of this, they talk about collateral damage. It says, "So, what will calling eliminate?" The truth is that calling for anything other than to keep herd numbers in check, which last time I checked is otherwise known as hunting, will only adversely affect herd balance and structure. Even by eradicating a mature buck that according to several years worth of trail camera pictures has never amounted to greatness in the antler department, you're also removing something imperative to a healthy deer population, structure, and balance. So instead of shooting those does in the late season and filling your tags, you shoot that Cole buck in air quotations now not only have you hurt yourself by shooting a buck that you know maybe could have been something in a couple of years if you're shooting a young buck um even if it's that old buck like she was just talking about there um you're you're hurting your balance like we just talked about with your buck to doe so there's that to think about too now if that's the deer you want like you know i'm all about shooting mature deer if a mature six point rolls by me i'm not I mean, I'm shooting him. It's not because he's a cull buck. It's because he's a mature buck, though. You know, there's a different mindset there, I guess. But if you're shooting him just for the, the idea of culling him, uh, you're doing yourself more harm than you are good, in my opinion.
3: I think as a majority of the hunters, that's where we're kind of growing to now. We're getting away from, you know, all this just a fork horn or a spike. He's never going to mount to anything. Now uh, the hunting society has moved towards maturity. You know, let that buck grow up, see what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, let him get to be at least four and a half years old. You know, and and shooting a mature buck is a lot more of a challenge. And I think as individuals, most of us are always looking for a better challenge all the time.
0: Right. You know,
3: whether hunting or whatever part of our lives we're looking for, we're always looking for a challenge that keeps us going. And I think that's going to help. The herd and overall and the hunting industry <clears throat> as more people lean towards shooting mature deer. Yeah, because I've had even up here at the shop, I've had a lot of people ask me, "Well, how old is this deer? You know, how old do you think this deer is?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I'm like, well, he's three and a half. No, nah, I think he's six. Okay, if that's what you think, right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah, but you know, but they're all, you see it all the They're time. all they're more worried about he might be a basket rack eight pointer. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're more worried about how old this deer is. And I think that's an improvement in the psychology of the deer hunting world.
0: Yeah. I definitely think, and we talked, uh, us three, we talked a lot on the last podcast about how much better it is getting and guys paying more attention and managing the herd. And that is one of the (laughs) things we talked about, and that's got a lot to do with it, because there's a lot more focus on mature deer now than just antler size. Because everybody at this table knows, and a lot of people listening, it's a lot harder to kill a six and a half year old, hundred and ten inch buck, than it is a hundred and seventy inch, three and a half year old buck. I mean, it's just, it is. It's more of a challenge. They've been shot at before. <clears throat> yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's hard to find. It's harder to find a hundred and seventy inch deer than it is a hundred and ten inch deer. But if you have both of those deer on your property and you're set up to hunt them, you're going to have way more opportunity at that hundred seventy inch, three and a half year old than you are that hundred ten inch, six and a half year old. No. It's just.
3: It's, and this it, depends on your mindset and where, yeah. you're, where you are m-
2: mature wise as a as a deer hunter. Yeah, you know. And. I think right now, if if you're out there to hunt and you're killing deer right now because you want to kill deer, nothing wrong with that. No. If you're trying to manage a herd, I think keep in mind when you when you shoot a doe, you're killing two or three. Yeah. Now, if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out. I. I that's that's fine. That's, that is what it is. But if you're trying to manage a herd for whatever reason, you want to remember you're not just killing one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that matters. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Yep. You know, uh,
3: back when we had the late season doe only season here mm-hmm. in Wayne County, you know, I went a couple of times and I went one time and I'll never forget this. I had a nice big doe come out. I shot her. My field dressed her. I found three embryos in her, mm-hmm. and I swore after that I'll never do the late season after that again. Yeah, you know, I mean I felt sick to my stomach. That, that was part of I the didn't late kill, season.
2: Yeah, I didn't kill just one deer; I yeah. killed four. And right. that was a—they called that the CWD season. The CWD season, but yep. that was the whole point of it was to to decrease the population so that, that uh, you were killing more than one. Right, that was the point of that season. Now they don't have that, at least in Wayne County uh because they for for whatever formula they use they feel like we don't need to decrease the population anymore but that's what happens when you shoot deer yeah, in january and like, and i said i felt sick to my stomach I, I was just like i'm done with this but I'm if you not, if, yeah. if that's what you need to do yeah. and that's what you're out there to do and you want to meet and yeah you know, yep. i got no problem with it and and that's, no i don't no
3: either it's just you know it's a
2: personal yeah
3: personal that's another thing.
0: i wanted to maybe kind of talk about it if we had time too and we got plenty of time to talk about it so Um, this time of year, not just with the culling bucks thing, but shooting does again is coming back around because the bucks aren't chasing them. So you're not going to hurt yourself as far as killing that mature buck, taking the doe this time of year, if you need to. Um, And some guys, like I said in the video I did back in October, some guys will tell you, yeah, I kill every doe you see all all year long. And other guys will tell you, no, never kill a doe no matter what. Well, there's not one size fits all to either one of it. It's dependent on your property. So If you do need to take some does out of your herd to manage that buck to doe ratio, now's a good time to do it. Um, because like you said, I mean, for that reason right there, if you have overpopulated deer herd that's going to end up hurting more than it is helping. So you letting that deer go and letting her have three fawns is going to end up doing more damage than it would to kill her. You know, if you have too many deer in your area on your property, um, this is a good time of year to go ahead and take care of them so that because you are taking out more than one deer at a time, um, you know ninety something percent of the does are going to be more than one deer. Um, is there a chance that there's a button buck? Yeah, it's a pretty good chance that you're killing a button buck too. But if your goal, if you need to, based on whatever assessment you've done of your property and your deer herd, is to lower the numbers, now is a good time of year to do that. Um, if you have, if your numbers aren't where you think they need to be maybe don't go out there if you need to kill one for meat you still haven't got the meat in the freezer go do that but leave it alone after that because it's for the same reason you're killing more than one deer so if you're trying to grow your herd this is a good time of year to lay off of them if you're trying to go the other way this is a really good time of year to get out after them so it just depends on what your goals are what you need to do for your property in general and there are reasons to kill those this time of year to lower your numbers cuz like we talked about earlier they will decimate all the available resources in an area because they don't know. I mean, they'll literally eat themselves to death because they're just wild animals, and that's what they do. They get up and they eat, and they go lay down, and then they get up and they eat again. Um, They're not smart enough to realize that, okay, if I don't stop eating now, I'm not going to have anything to eat tomorrow. They just eat till they're full, and then they go on. So if you have too many deer and you don't take care of that problem, um, you're going to have issues. Mother Nature will take care of it for you. And that's just something we talked about on an earlier podcast, I think, but um, as far as killing does go, I think those are some things to look at this time of year for sure. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about, which I thought was a pretty cool, really short article, and I thought we might start with it, but I I wanted to talk about culling deer because it does fit into this time of year, but this one's just a good article, not only based on what we're kind of trying to do with the podcast um, and getting more people out hunting than. Reasons to do it and all that stuff, but I, I just thought it was a, a good article in general. So it's by um, Haynes Shelton, he's an editor in chief at North American Whitetail. It's called Iron Sharpens Iron. <coughs> so I'm just going to read through this whole thing, and then we can talk about it because it's pretty short. Uh, he says, A colleague of mine recently had a tough work week. It happens to all of us at one point or another. The to-do list gets too long and stress creeps in. Sooner or later, we need to vent. Well, my buddy called me to do to vent, and he needed to ask me some questions about the project he was working on. I listened, and I tried my best to help him out. Soon, we hung up the phone and scurried off to finish up our days. The next morning, he texted me a Bible verse, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Then he thanked me for being there for him. That's been weeks ago, but I can't stop thinking about that verse. Sure, I'd heard it before. First, probably in Sunday school at church, but I hadn't felt those words in a while, I guess. Sometimes, words have a big impact on our lives. The right words, when used at the right time, can comfort, inspire, and encourage us. They can change our mindset. They can make us better. Who understands what I'm saying? I knew my friend was simply thanking me for lending an ear when he needed it. Certainly, he's been there to help me out plenty of times before. He says, but for me, this text message was more than that. It was a good reminder of how important it is to support your fellow humans or your fellow man, whether that's your friend, your family, member, your community, your nation, or your fellow deer hunter. Heck, this is especially true for deer hunters. In fact, I'll argue that the acts of helping and teaching are what really keep the deer hunting tradition alive. If I crack open my own encyclopedia of deer hunting knowledge, I realize it has a massive bibliography. Credit is due to so many, most of whom are older and wiser than I am. And without those mentors, I wonder how long it would have taken me to learn how to sight in a bow, hang a tree stand, read deer sign, field dress a deer, the list goes on. I'd be far lesser, a far lesser version of myself without their help. In this sport, more so than others, mentorship is critical. Mentorship is how all hunters grow more proficient in their craft. This includes everyone from brand new hunters figuring out the basics to highly skilled veterans picking up new tricks. Even self-taught hunters can learn from others. It might happen during a conversation with another deer guy down at the local diner or by reading a how-to article or watching a video on YouTube. So here's my battle cry to the readers of the North American Whitetail Magazine. Sharpen one another. Whether it's the kid down the road who's studying for his hunter safety tests, your neighbor who can't grow a food plot, or your buddy who needs help blood trailing a monster buck, be there for them if they need you. Hone their skills, make them better, and know that all the while what you're really doing is passing down the hunting tradition just as others did for you. So that was the end of the article. I thought that was a... Uh, it kind of fits in what we're trying to do here, I think, with this podcast when we started doing it in the first place. Um whether you guys listen or are a younger audience or new, just new in general to hunting. Um, hopefully there's some stuff in here for you guys to help you out. Um, passing down that hunting tradition. Um, I know for me, obviously it's been a family thing um, on both sides of my family. It, you know, um, kind of a second generation on my mom's side, cause no one else really hunted much in her family, but on dad's side, you know, at least third, um, fourth, fifth. Yeah. You know, the list goes on. Um, but back to kind of what we're doing here, passing, not only just passing that down, but then even like the, the guys listening to this, who might be higher up, more experienced deer hunters, just looking to pick up some new stuff. And hopefully maybe every now and then we help those guys out too with something you hadn't thought of. Um, I know talking to guys, reading these articles, doing this podcast has made me better Mm
1: -hmm, for
0: for sure. sure. I mean, I, I use stuff that we've talked about or read in articles and all that stuff. Um, myself so i think that that was a really good article about just you know not only helping out your buddies or whatever but especially in the deer hunting community because nowadays there are so many guys that just want to tear everybody else down whether it be on facebook or you know internet forums or whatever um if you keep doing that you're going to run people out of the hunting industry and the sport itself and i don't i don't think that's you know the right thing to do Uh, we talked about it before if killing a fork buck makes you happy man that's awesome eventually your goals are going to grow with your experience level uh, and and maybe they don't but you know we don't have to go and tell that guy well he's a terrible deer hunter and that's a tiny little deer and you shouldn't be shooting stuff like that you know just the same as if a guy kills a big monster buck well you must be cheating or must be nice to have 400 acres of ground or it must be nice to be able to have food plots you know stuff like that Um, there's both ends of that spectrum i think you know it comes down to just being good to each other um, especially in the hunting industry, because there's so much jealousy and uh stuff of that nature i think that goes on i know you guys see it too
1: yeah just because somebody's out there for a different reason uh, or has different goals than you uh, no reason to cut them down you know as long as everybody's legal uh doing things morally ethically you know Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy can pretty much make of it what he wants to
0: yeah and that's kind of the beauty of it in itself i mean you can go do what you want to and i'll go do what i want to and we can both enjoy doing it and i can come talk to you about the way you're doing it you can talk to me about the way i'm doing it we swap stories we you know share tactics strategies whatever with each other um all that kind of stuff i think it's just you know more important to build each other up than it is to tear each other down in, in our industry
3: Let's not only just <clears throat> apply this to deer hunting. Let's apply this to our personal lives, too. Right. Uh, you know, that says a lot about who we are as individuals. <clears throat> you know, uh, we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We all do stuff that we wish we didn't, hadn't have done or whatever. And instead of tearing each other down, let's build each other up. Uh, I mean, your dad's been friends for over 30 some years, mm-hmm. you know, and— He's God only knows why. <laughs> yeah, but you've always <laughs> been there for me, and I've gave you plenty of reasons. But you know, uh, we stuck it out, and and uh, you know, it, I don't know where I'd be without him. Yeah. And you know, and as individuals, not just as the deer hunters or whatever, but in our personal lives, you know, that's what our mission is: just to be there for each other and to build each other up and instead of tearing each other down in this country and this well just the whole thing has kind of went the other way mm-hmm. and we need we need to get back
0: yeah and i think that's and most of our audience you know is men um I there are some ladies out there to listen so don't take offense to this or only take because nate makes it. his wife listen to it. well <laughs> other than that yeah. um that's just part of being a man And like he said, the iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Um, Being there and standing up and helping your buddies out. I heard something the other day. It was like, uh, how do you know if your guy friend is, you know, actually friends with you? Well, when you ask him to do a favor, he'll do it for you. You know, if you ask him, if you say you need something, he'll help you out with it. Um, Doing favors for each other is kind of how we show each other how we care. We don't, we're not like women are, you know. We don't show our affection or whatever you want to call it the same ways, but... um, It's just part of, I think, being men in general, and in this society we live in now where masculinity is so frowned upon by a huge segment of people, um, we still need that. We still need to be leaders and mentors as men, Um, not only, again, in the hunting industry, which, obviously, there's a huge void for that, um, but just personal lives as well is the same thing, and I think we can all do better about that and... You know, I thought that was just a pretty good article about about doing that. And the Iron Sharpens Iron thing should hit home with a lot of us probably, you know. And there's nothing wrong with being a man, you know, and being masculine. And especially, you know, in our industry, it's one of the few where there are still real men left. Um, So as deer hunters, I think it's important for us to step up and not just be more leaders in the industry, but, you know, in society in general. Um, and there's a lot of guys, you know, public figures that are doing that, that I appreciate. Donald Trump Jr. is a big one. Um, I know he's done a lot of work with Michael Waddell, um, Cameron Haynes, um, John Dudley, big personalities, you know, that have a platform. And they're setting the right example, I think, for the rest of us. And we should be doing that as well. And well, maybe we're not affecting millions of people by doing it, but we can definitely affect, you know, our local community, whatever it is. Um, but not to get too much on a tangent there about all that stuff, but I thought it was a good article. And Oh, yeah.
2: I, I You know, I never get tired of, of every year there's, there's a new hunter that's killed the deer for the first time, and they brought it in their shop, and their dad's with them, and I was probably around when their dad killed their first deer. I've been yeah. around that long now, unfortunately. But I never get tired of that. You know, mm-hmm. never get tired of those kids with the bright eyes, and they're all, you know, gung-ho, and then every now and then, Uh, we saw it this year some 60 something year old man has killed the biggest deer he's ever killed in his life and he goes back to when he was 14 years old and just like giggly and and that's it's never get tired of that you know that that's why you hunt that's why they hunt that's why we hunt Uh, if you didn't do that you wouldn't hunt Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, and that's like a favorite up here at the shop you know our customers are like family too you know we've known them for years and seen seen how their successes and their failures you know and they share all that and they share their family stories with us and
2: for the most part you know uh, their personal lives and stuff d- and the deer hunting group are good people yes mm-hmm. they are you got turd heads in every everything you do and every everywhere yep. you go but overall um the deer hunters in as a group are a good group of guys to be around always have been mm-hmm. always
0: have been and you know does that mean we're not going to give each other crap and heck at times no absolutely not of course we're gonna do that i mean it's again that's part of being a man too i mean if you can't take a little crap you get butt hurt every time someone gives you heck for something then you know you got to work on that too so that's another way iron sharpens iron you know if i do something stupid i expect you guys to hammer me for it just like if you guys do something stupid i'm gonna hammer you for it you oh, I will. it's uh, just part of it and is, we go back and forth all the time yeah. i mean but you know you don't it's not because you don't like each other or you don't get mad about it. It's just, you know, part of being guys, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in the deer hunting community too. And I think sometimes that gets lost because guys are so used to this social media stuff where everybody's will say whatever they want behind a keyboard. Mm. And then when you see them in person and you're j- joshing them about something and giving them heck, man, they get all defensive about it. But I think that gets lost a little bit. But that's part of it too. I mean, that's part of hunting. You miss a giant buck i'm you know i'm probably going to give you a little heck for it the uh, biggest thing i miss about having the pro shop
2: was the stories you'd get stories at 10 o'clock 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning when they first came in and then you get stories the next day after they hunted that evening or mm-hmm. if you stayed open late like we did till nine o'clock at night you would get stories that night guys would come in and they would either be thrilled to death or dragging their tail, and you knew something bad had happened. You just, you know, bought them a soda and sat down. And sometimes you laughed, and sometimes you cried. <laughs> yep. But you know, it was a camaraderie. Of the hunters would all gather at the shop. Not all of them, but there was a certain group that would gather at the shop and share their experiences. And it, it, not only could you learn a lot, but sometimes what what not to do. Mm-hmm. There was there was always funny stories and things yeah. that happened that you just.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot the crap lie to each uh, other and, well I don't know, know, know about give body. each other don't know yeah. yeah that Literally.
3: reminds me of that day we went hunting and you had one down and then them two come by and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about you'll, yeah. you'll never let me live it down you know one nicest deer at the time and there I was I, I was in a position I could not see the deer he
2: was locked up so.
3: he was laying right in the, he was on right next to me and he could see the deer you know and there's a bush there I swear to God I'm not lying mm. but you know, I drew back the size of your finger yeah <laughs> <laughs> whatever but uh, there's this big deer I shot I shot the first one missed it put an arrow in it, drew back and here comes the bigger one and I'm sitting there and I can't see him and Scott's going shoot him shoot him shoot him i like I can't see him Scott's going shoot him shoot him, shoot him. And, like, and I'm like, I can't see him. And then all of a sudden, Scott just jumps up and says, Just shoot the son of a. Well, by that time, the like, deer was gone. He's locked
2: up tighter than a drum. deer's like five yards away. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Jeff's going, <laughs> like a deer in the headlights, he's just locked up. Uh-huh. Mowed, mowed full at uh, full drive. He's going, Shooting, Jeff. Shooting. Yeah. Shoot. I look over there and he's froze. He's <laughs> like, froze. Well, you I just shoot him.
3: But, I mean, memories like that, you can't, yeah. you know, we give each other crap about it. I have my side of the story, uh, yes, mm-hmm. it
2: is. We need, if I had a camera, we'd know who's telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't, <laughs> did you? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's all part of it, you know, those good stories and giving each other crap, and it doesn't mean we're not there for each other either. I mean, yeah. you know. You were still right there with him because he had a deer down, right? I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you guys were there hunting together and helping each other out. and
3: Yeah, well, we ain't going to get to the details of that, but it wasn't all that pretty itself. Well,
0: that'll happen. <laughs> it was too. a bloodbath in the snow. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm sure you didn't give him any heck for that either. No, no well, no. So you can see, exactly. It's all Don't part of it. Don't forgot about Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Practically. <laughs> yeah. Almost. <So. laughs>
0: that pretty much hit everything I wanted to talk about this week and then some. So I, those two articles I, I wanted to get into, and we got into shooting those a little bit too, and, and um, we're going to hopefully get everybody back again next week. I don't know if Jeff will be here or not, but we'll at least have two of us or three of us or something, and we'll get another one done. So, again, like I say every week, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, thanks to all you guys who are listening. If you do want to support us, you can go to iTunes and write us a review. Leave us one there, good, bad, or indifferent, um, you can go to ridgehunterconsulting.com and check us out there. We do property consultations management work. If you guys need any of that, want any of that done, that's uh, a good place to contact us there. Our other site, ridgehunteroutdoors.com, is down right now. It will be back up soon. we got some exciting stuff coming there um, and on the uh, retail side of it too. So be on the lookout for that on our social page. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think that's it so you guys can follow us there too if you want to support and ever have any questions you can contact us at all those places so thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you again next week